0: CHAPTER Nine, UNDER THE LASH. A GAROTTA'S CONFESSION. By a singular chance I have been able to meet with a man who has been under the lash for a garotte robbery, and who has recently returned from the term of penal servitude which followed the infliction of the cat. This will serve to indicate that it is some time since he underwent the severe sentence passed upon him, but I may state that the offence for which he was convicted was committed in Wood Street and that the actual scratching took place in the county jail strange ways. As the man since his return is earning his living honestly, and as it can serve no purpose to give his name, address, or present occupation, I shall refrain from entering into such details. His story was told under circumstances which did away with any inducement to exaggerate or to give a false account of the whole business, and I pledge myself to detail, as far as possible, in his own words, the history of what has been, to him, the greatest trial in his life. He is still comparatively young, and on meeting him I was surprised to find that he was like the brutal beings who are believed to be the terrors of our dark nights and darker by-paths, as little as a jail is like a church. He speaks fluently, and as a rule correctly, though his speech is, of course, considerably embellished with the slang patter, which is almost a second language to him. Slim of build and rather below the average height, he possesses apparently none of the strength or nerve that should mark a thief who has to pursue the most hazardous line in his profession. But still, there is a determination in his face which goes far to prove that he would not be easily daunted in any enterprise he might undertake. The face is an intelligent one, with quick, uneasy eyes, but the features are clean cut and there is nothing sensual in them, the forehead particularly being good "'so much for his general appearance, "'which is far from being unprepossessing. "'The following is his narrative. "'Some years ago I had been working all round Scotland "'with the gaffes, fairs, etc., "'and had done well at breach-buzzing, pocket-picking, "'at most of the towns from Dumfries to Aberdeen. "'I was with a good mob, gang, "'and we lifted many a book, pocket-book, "'without once being put in. "'At Aberdeen I heard my mother was ill, and I came straight away down here, and as I'd done so well, I thought I'd throw up crooked work, marry a certain party, and settle down. I meant to do it, but I got in a row in Wood Street, and I was lagged for what I'd never done. It was a put-up job, for I never screwed, grotted, the man who was robbed, and at the sizes I fancied I must get clean off. I was surprised when the jury found me guilty, and then I knew I was in for something hot, for I'd done a drag three months, and four years, besides two or three six months. I never expected to hear what I did, and when the judge said I was to get a seven-stretch, seven years penal servitude, and two dozen lashes, I funked it, I can tell you. It knocked me over completely, and I scarcely knew what to think about. I was awfully wild, for I considered I didn't deserve such a severe sentence for what I'd never done, but it must come off, I knew. I was in for it proper, and I made up my mind to bear all and say nothing. I was sentenced on the Monday, but not till the next Tuesday but one, that I was told I should have my bashing, flogging. I was in a state all the days I was in the cells, thinking on what I should get. If it had come straight off, I shouldn't have minded, but it was thinking over it. I kept trying to feel what the strokes of the lash would be like, whether it would hurt me very much after the first half-dozen. "'but I could never get past one "'and that was that it would be, smart. "'If anyone had come and told me I could get off "'by having another five-stretch put on the seven, "'I should have jumped at it. "'Not a word of a lie, I'm telling, "'for I was safe I should catch it warm, "'and I'd heard that the strongest men couldn't stand it. "'I was always weak, "'though I'd nothing the matter with me any time, "'and I was sure it'd kill me out and out. "'I felt as certain of that as anything, "'and I couldn't sleep a bit.' waiting for it's what settles you, but at last one morning I was told I was to be scrat. I was led from cell into the yard and stripped to my trousers. It was as cold as could be, for it was in December, and I shivered and felt just as bad as ever I did in my life. I was taken to a wall and saw two rings in the bricks about as high as my shoulders, and two posts of wood standing a bit apart and away from the rings, with a cross-piece that seemed as if it could slide up and down. At the bottom of the post was a kind of box with two round holes in the top. They opened this like you might pull a drawer out of a cupboard, and I was made to stand in it. My feet were fitted into the corners, and then they closed it and screwed it up. My legs were just fixed in the holes now, up to over the knee, and I was as fast as in a vice. My hands were put into the rings, and the cross piece of wood fitted across my chest by the doctor. I was as tight as a drum, and my back was a little bent and forced out, and my arms stretched full length. I couldn't bend my knees or shift about in any way, for everything was fixed up so as to keep me in that same state till I'd got my dose. There was something wanting at first, so after I'd been tied up some minutes I was half frozen, and they undid me and put something over my shoulders. My back was stiff with cold even in that time, and I had to wait a bit longer. It was cruel, "'for I like suffered twice, but at last they put me up again. "'One of the screws, turnkeys, had got the cat in his hand, "'and he was a big fellow, but not half a bad'un. "'He said to me I hoped I shouldn't think any worse of him for it, "'but if he didn't do it, someone else would. "'Of course it was his duty, but he did lay it on. "'The doctor stood by with his chronometer in his hand, counting. "'I'm sure it was a chronometer, for I'd handled many a one in my time.' "'and then I got my bashing. "'The first stroke went right across my shoulders, "'and it was something awful. "'I'd never felt anything like it before, "'and I howled out sharp and roared as loud as I could. "'Just where the lash went, it seemed to burn right into me, "'and the skin felt as if it had swelled up and was going to burst. "'It went through me like, and if a hot iron had scorched me, "'it wouldn't have been half as sharp.' "'I'd been told by the old'uns in the jail "'that it was best to shout, "'as the doctor would think it was hurting me bad "'and I might get off with half the dose. "'And I kept on all the time it lasted. "'I could have said to the doctor, "'You pig, as quiet as I'm saying it to you now, "'for crying didn't ease me a bit. "'It was only a bit of kidment, "'deception, to scheme the doctor, "'but it didn't work. "'It was slow time, "'for I counted thirty before I got number two. "'and that came as sharp as the first. "'I cursed and called them every <clears throat> "'thing I could get off me tongue, "'for I felt savage at being shoved in "'for what I didn't deserve. "'The doctor stood close by "'and pointed out where every stroke was to drop, "'and the screw put it down just where he showed. "'He was a bad un that doctor, "'for every cut was as bad as the others, "'and the pain was just like dying over and over again. "'What did I think of between the lashes?' "'I don't know, for I was cursing as hard as I could. "'You see, I did think I'd done many times "'things that I ought to have got a lashing for, "'but now I was innocent. "'I couldn't help that coming into my head "'during the half-minute between the lashes, "'but the hardest pull was trying to make out "'where the next would drop. "'The doctor would point, and I waited "'till I heard the whip coming, "'and then I cried out louder every time. "'Sometimes it would drop on one of the cuts "'that had gone before,' "'and it was bad then. "'I could have sworn my back was as big again as it should be, "'for after the cat was pulled sharp back, "'the flesh went after it, "'and rose up till I knew I was bleeding, "'and that the skin had burst. "'The blood ran down into my trousers, thick. "'No cheese, mistake, about it. "'How did it hurt me? "'Why, every now and then the cat lapped round my chest, "'and that was worst of all. "'It knocked me out of wind.' My breath went as if I'd jumped into cold water, choking-like, "'and me mouth as dry as could be. "'I'd nothing to chew, "'so I hung on to the rings with me hands as hard as I could, "'and this only pulled me chest across the wood "'and made me back tighter. "'I bled a good deal, but I got the two dozen, "'and I felt every odden, each one. "'The last was as bad as the first, "'every bit of it, if not a trifle smarter.' But I shouldn't have minded if they'd laid it on quicker. It was the slow time that licked me, and if I'd had the regulation three dozen, I think it would have done for me. It's all stupid about not feeling it after the first five or six. Your back don't grow dead, numb, at all. It only gets tender as you get more of it. Is there anything else like a bashing? Nothing that I know of. I've had most kinds of knocking about, but it licks all. There's no punishment comes anywhere near it. It's as bad while you're waiting as when you're getting it, and both are smart. When I was taken down, I was properly done over, and me back was bleeding in a dozen places. I was swelled all round too, in a way you couldn't believe, and I couldn't button me trousers or put me braces on, although before I was scrat, I could have wrapped me trousers band half a dozen inches over. They were prison clothes, and they'd throw them at you, and ain't particular about the fit. I was sore for a good many days, but I wouldn't go to hospital or see the doctor. I knew I'd to go through the mill, and I meant to do every bit of it without flinching. I gave me head to it, and when one of the screws came round and asked me if me back had done bleeding, I told him I was all right. I went to chapel the day after the bashing, for I wouldn't give in, though I needn't have gone unless I liked. I stayed in jail thirteen weeks, and was then sent to the bank, Millbrank Prison. My back was healed then, but the marks were there, and when I got in the bath with the others, they made some remarks about it, but I didn't care. There were a dozen of us from Manchester, and we were such thin, poor-looking devils, the doctor said we must be badly off in this part of the country. I was put to the tailoring, but I didn't know which finger to put the thimble on until I was shown. It was only prison work, and I managed in time to do pretty well. There was a navvy put to same work, but he couldn't do it at all. Yes, we were treated well, but the legs, low thieves, were the dirtiest lot I ever met. They'd do anything to get in favour with the screws, or even to get a smile from the big men. You see, some few of us couldn't eat our food, and we'd give our loaf to a pal who could. One of these legs would think, I can't get it meself and nobody else shall. So he goes and peaches, informs, and gets us three days solitary, stuck in a dark cell, with boards to lie on, and a rug to cover us. After I'd been at the bank for ten months, I went to Dartmoor, after getting the doctor to examine me chest. I said I wanted to go, but he told me it would finish me. I went, though, and the other doctor there said a little field work would do me good. It was in the summer, and I thought I'd touched, been fortunate.' We went out on the moor and had to cut turf with the warders with us, and the other guard with guns always in sight. I found it was hard work cutting turf with our big knives, for they make each one do the same amount of cutting, so that the weakest has to keep up with the strongest. They work against each other there, and it was so hot that we'd have pulled our shirts off if they'd have let us. We'd little sheet-iron cells to sleep in, and to eat our meals in, not above seven feet long by five feet wide. "'all running up the middle of the big yard, "'with doors facing opposite ways. "'The officials were always down, severe upon us. "'If you looked at another man, you'd be spotted, "'and if you spoke, you were brought and tried before the Governor, "'just like sizes, only no jury. "'They punish you sharp, "'and if you try to escape they shoot at you as long as they can see you. Three got shot while I was there, "'and one took it stiffly and got two or three slugs into him, if I had me time over again, I'd sooner do it at Bellevue, grinding air, turning the cranks so many thousand times per day, than down there. What do the guns, thieves, think of a bashing? Well, anyone who puts up a man for anything under a book with two or three hundred pounds in it is a dunce, a regular flat. It ain't worth a-doing when you know what's waiting for you, and you're certainly getting a bashing. No good crossman would think of it. It's only these uns, these labourers, who say, I'm starving, there's two or three bob if I put this bloke up and turn him over, ransack his pockets, I'll do it. That's the sort of flats who do it, and sometimes it settles the man clean off, but none of us fly-mobs will do the grip now. He had got so excited while talking that he had jumped off his seat, and with the enthusiasm of his craft was suiting the action to the word, by showing me how the hug was done in putting up any unfortunate who might be spotted. He gripped his left wrist with his right hand, threw his left elbow outwards and upwards, and then, tightening every muscle, depressed both elbows and drew his left towards his chin. The movement was quick as could be, and I recognised in a minute how futile resistance would have been if a man's neck had been enclosed in such a powerful grip. The garrotte is unquestionably supreme as a means to induce rapid insensibility in a victim. Such was the tale as related to me, almost as coherently as I have given it, though it required many questions, carefully framed and put, to elicit the information. In no case have I used language that was not actually uttered, and if many of the words seem strange as issuing from a convict's mouth. They are truly his own, and not of my choosing." End of part nine.